Hello, and welcome to Hey, Hi, Who Are You? The podcast where we talk to regular humans that do cool things. I'm your host, Medica Hess, and today's regular human that we'll be talking to is actually going to be my dad, uh, Chris Hess. So he's an engineer, and he has lots of creative hobbies on the side. He's generally just a really funny guy and has lots of cool stories to tell. Uh, So I'm really excited for you guys to get to know him today. Uh, So welcome, my dad, Chris Hess, to the show. Okay, well, welcome to Hey Hi, Who Are You? And Are You My Father? Well, there's some question about that. <laughs> there's some debate. <laughs> I feel like there's no I debate. I... Okay, well, I mean, I guess I kind of already... How come you get a copy and I don't? Should we share one? <laughs> yes. Such a bad host. <laughs> you made, uh, you made me this coffee. Yeah. Well, How would you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm an engineer. That's all? That's your one descriptor? Okay, I'm short. <laughs> short engineer. Oh my god. Fine, fine. I mean, I guess you basically have been an engineer like your whole life. Like you haven't really had any other jobs, really. What other jobs no. have you had? Uh, I picked tobacco as a kid. Oh, yeah. I uh, worked at my father's clinic. Wait, as a kid, meaning not a child, right? No, as a teenager. <laughs> I laid sod and did landscaping for a few years as a teenager. And you were a valet. And I was a parking valet, yeah. How long did you do that for? I was a professional parker. (laughs) (laughs) I could go somewhere. You knew how to back that up or something. (laughs) But your valet stories were actually kind of weird. Like you said there was like, like, um, like, not mob ties, but like, what was it? Like union, like the, union the, strong arming or something. Yeah, the doorman was was the head of the union. The doorman. The doorman so the doorman the the is union. like. And a, I reported to the the, the doorman. That sounds was, so funny, like a movie. Like the doorman has the power. Yeah, and he what he did, like he. That's weird. Because he was the head of the union. So when <laughs> I at uh, one point the, uh, um, this was in Toronto. And the union. Wait, at what hotel? At the Prince Hotel. They uh, wanted to have a bite, a vote strike, a strike to vote. Yeah. And uh, the doorman said, even though I was a student, he said, "You must go. All my anybody who reports to me must go." So I did go, and I thought it was kind of interesting altogether. Uh, and you were like twenty-one or something. This was like, yeah, yeah, probably young twenties anyway, and. Uh, Anyways, I went to this thing and it was, it was a, on the stage was the, the union, all the, 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 uh, mm. all the union stewards of the different hotels. And on the end of the stage were two gr- big guys all dressed in black with their arms Clearly crossed. meant to make it. Like... Meant to intimidate. So they stood there so messed up. in the corners, yeah, on each end of the stage. And uh, and they did rah rah rah. We got a we got a strike. We got a strike. You know, we're not being treated correctly, and all those sorts of things. And maybe that was the case. But uh, and I remember one woman close to me stood up and and said something like, "I can't afford to strike. I don't want to strike." And and then the uh, the uh, uh, the two guys dressed in black came to the front of the stage and started to go. Boo, boo. Actually? Actually. And that's getting like a the, movie. And getting the audience 
to boo her. So a few people to boo her to boo for her. not having enough money to not work. So that well to drown her out so that you could so that people couldn't hear her argument of why not to strike. So, uh, oh and then people just booed her and then she kind of just turned around and kind of shrugged her shoulders. So it was time to vote. And so then you lined up each hotel, uh, people that go into the union uh, lined up behind their uh, hotel table yeah. for a boat. So how was it like and all the was, Toronto hotels? Yeah. Yeah. So they, and then uh, uh, behind my table was my union steward mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and then some. Like the doorman. The doorman. Yeah. And, uh, and when you, when you signed to strike. It was right there. Like he saw exactly. You, it was not a closed ballot. Yeah. You signed in front of him, and and then there was also they had another kind of a. He wasn't like muscular, but another person, just a part of the union, and watching you how you vote. I voted to strike, even though I had zero desire to strike. That sucks. Just because he was my boss. And well, so, what you don't want to get fired, yeah. even though the union's supposed to be the opposite of that—that that you don't get fired for stuff. Yeah. But it sounds like it would have been the opposite if you voted opposite. Ew. Yeah, no, it's just weird. It was just That's that really was my weird. that was my my one union that I've belonged to in my life. And even though I think unions have a place, yeah, I but that one sounded was, corrupt though, because uh, there's a way there's a there's a place for them. But if if yeah. you're if you're strong arming people, that's not cool. No, no. Anyways, there's my. One but I feel like you experience. your valet parking like you always you can literally park into like the tiniest little spots now fun you still like you got well, you had to do it fast yeah like yeah it was you had to and you ran the whole time you, because it did was you ever busy. bump anyone's car nope wow no wow was, was... did they give you tips yeah pretty good tips but you had to you had to split them with the doorman oh yeah that was the rule fine and i guess it's kind of like bartending just, yeah. bring back old memories but the <laughs> guy uh he he had a real temper and he uh uh if somebody parked in his area that was where he expected to get tips on the front where the front entrance way where where it was kind of prime parking and and people that would be willing to pay bigger tips right the doorman would himself would park the car in the kind of the, just in front of the hotel itself okay and uh somebody somehow got parked uh in that area yeah and he got so pissed off he took another another uh person's car like one of the cars that he had parked it was a, a like yeah, i remember it was a pickup truck or something like that uh but nice one probably a suburban or something like that i can't quite remember but he took that other person's car and pushed the other car sideways like damaged the car the the, the other person's car <laughs> i know it was really it was just the guy was uh took somebody you else saw that happen i saw it happen you saw him hit another person's. He didn't you hit, hit it. He tried. He pushed it sideways out of the place to get an, another car because that was his area that he. But so, but he could get fined no, or should have. He didn't get fined. I don't know what happened. I don't think not anything did happen. It was just. Oh, he just claimed that oh my god! What a psycho! Yeah, I didn't say nothing. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this the other day when I was in band. Like, did you ever work on a ski hill or not? Because I know you no. you just like went on and Jasper, you just went all the time. You didn't work on the ski hill. No, no. But, but did I you was... get your level one instructors? Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, but here at Tristan Kitchener. Right, right. Okay. It was a good course. Actually, it's mm -hmm. a course that I, even if you pass or fail, it's just a really intense ski instructor's course. Ski. Well, ski I guess because they're kind of teaching you how to be a better skier too, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. That's what, it, you know, and I, I it was, uh, yeah, it was, I recommend it to anybody to take a level two course, even if you find the instructor not. Like once you're able to explain it to someone else, that likely means that you understand it really well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, at, at least while, and then when you're skiing yourself, you're saying, ah, that's why I'm not doing this because I understand that I'm doing this one I'm thing wrong or whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 years ago now. Well, maybe. Yeah, 40 years ago. Shit. 40 years ago. Yeah. But I tell you, it really has helped uh, my huh. skiing. Altogether. Well, I guess from that, you lived in Jasper. I was, I was just outside Jasper and I worked at a paper mill. Same, Why? Same. As an engineer or just as like as a fact? Uh, no, as a co-op worker. But so you were helping them with their operations or their machinery or like yep. what? Ah, oh, okay. Huh. I don't quite remember because I skied a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you did your ski instructors, but you don't really remember it because you were busy with your girlfriend and you don't remember your co-op because you were skiing. So it all just like shifted. <laughs> if it was snowing and the work wasn't, you know, was able to, they, they totally understood and they, they let me leave even in the middle of the afternoon or really oh yeah. that's awesome it was, they, it was a they total were ski town and i anyways i worked pretty hard there too so i did so they liked me so i uh, and i met up with a few guys that were working there too they were just really good skiers and just fun to be with that's so fun yeah did you ever keep in contact with them or they just kind of eh? no yeah just no, random really. people you kind of met in the town and then move on yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess at the time too, it was harder to keep in contact with people. Like nowadays, I, you could have added them on Facebook or something. Totally. But now, like it makes me think even of the, like just because I remember the one guy. He was a, a salesman and he had a phone. It was a, like a mobile cell phone? phone. It wasn't a cell phone. There was no such thing as cell back then. It was ra done by radio, and yet to be within a, within reach of a tower. So it was, it was like a, a walkie-talkie. This thing was in a bag, and through the Rockies. You didn't have got any reception, but it was the coolest thing. <laughs> but yeah, so it's trying to keep in contact with people. Would have there been was really no email, hard. There was no... True, so you'd, you'd have, have to, to landline or write a letter. Right, and landline was expensive to make phone calls. Right, so you literally couldn't keep in contact with people. Well, you'd have to write them a letter. Yeah, but you'd have to know exactly where they are. Yeah. I'd and how to... do you even get their address if you didn't ask if for it? Exactly. Or what if they changed their address? You literally lose people. How did anyone find anyone ever before even landlines were affordable? Um, How do you navigate? You just pretend. It, that's the way it was. It was, you didn't even know any better kind of thing. That's yeah, the way it I was. Guess. So you kept in touch. Well, and I guess you would have like your address letters. books and you would try to keep it updated and make sure. Wow. Yep. Holy crap. That's Boy, wild. It, ancient, it does. I'm talking about it, yeah. I guess we kind of hopped forward in time, but so well, you, backwards, way back. Well, backwards, but forward in time from what I want to talk about, because so you grew up on a farm with four siblings, and you are the fourth kid it wasn't out a farm, of. Though. We weren't. Well, farm. farm life sort of idea. Well, we were, we were, you were in the countryside, we in surrounded by town, farms. Surrounded by farms, and I yeah. basically lived on farms in the sense of my father being a country veterinarian yeah uh we'd be in the car going on calls which was going from farm to farm doing 
in his veterinary practice. My job was to keep him company and uh, and carry his the pail and with the brush in it. What's the, the pail for? The pail was <laughs> to keep diseases from going from farm to farm. Yeah. Uh, the the vet would have high rubber boots on, and uh, before he left uh, the farm, he had to wash his he, boots. He had to wash his boots with the brush and the pail and and uh, mm, disinfectant. Okay. And that would uh, you know because the you didn't want to trek feces or whatever with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So he'd wash his boots with disinfectant, and that was part of my job as a kid. And <laughs> and then my father would reward us. Like he'd say, you know, come on, Lucky, come on, like be company, and and uh, <clears throat> we'll go to Roseville store. I'll buy you fries. That's uh, that was our kind of reward is we'd go to Roseville store, and he loved going to Roseville store too at the time because it had a a, a uh, cigars um, or something. Oh, well, he'd buy cigars. He'd buy uh, yeah a little barrel of old port cigars, and he'd smoke them in the car. So as a kid, I think I. I could probably go as much uh, smoke inhalation smoke. as he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we'd be in a little Volkswagen and and he'd be smoking cigars. But uh, there was a uh, pinball table at, oh, at Roseville Store. He and went and played pinball? to play pinball at Roseville Oh, Store. I wish I could have met him more. That sounds so fun. Yeah. So, like, sometimes the calls would be, like, at, like, 3 a.m. or something, right? Oh, yeah. No, you and that's why I, sometimes my father would wake wake you up or wake one, me or one of my brothers up. And, yeah. And just say, you're like it's like a school night and you're like uh <laughs> and you usually would just because it was actually it's kind of uh, exciting well it wasn't ex- it you didn't it, but you'd, you'd know that you could sleep in the car so you'd just fall asleep in the in yeah the, in, the, in, the, in the car and then you'd kind of help him as you got there and, and he was so thankful for it just yeah. because you can imagine going out in the alone night yeah and, well that was kind of probably your like little bonding time with him you know i don't know like as a yeah. kid, having a alone time, especially with so many siblings, I feel like as a kid, having alone time with a parent is always fun. You feel special. <laughs> I guess. Wait, can you tell your roadkill story? That is the, the best. Roadkill story. Haas and Pfeffer. Oh, Haas and Pfeffer. Oh, yeah. No, we would just like my, my, you know, my when you just, you can picture like a little kid and his father, like the vet. Anyways, and I'd be sleeping a lot in the time in this just because you were it was night yeah and i can remember being woken up lots of times where it was uh suddenly my father would accelerate and uh and uh if a rap like rabbits would run out in front of the car and then they run where they can see which is where the headlights are so my father would just accelerate and run over the rabbit sounds goofy as a veterinarian (laughs) and he was even eventually the head of the humane society oh my god (laughs) but he uh he would uh run over the rabbit and then he'd kind of wake me up and say go get the rabbit you know he'd help me go get the rabbit and then i'd kind of uh, in, in my days kind of waking up i'd just then go out and get the rabbit and a lot of times it would be still still wriggling yeah because it wasn't quite dead and then my father i couldn't do it but my father would uh, put it out of its misery and then what would you do we would go home and my father would skin it and and soak it overnight in i think it was salty water i think is what i remember and make cousin pfeffer rabbit soup stew stew Stew. rabbit stew german rabbit stew (laughs) i mean Free meal. It's like hunting in a very unfair way. (laughs) 
Yeah, you didn't waste much back then, I can tell you. Well, no, I mean, that's good. I remember my grandmother, my mom, I'm on my mother's side. Hmm. Boy, there was no waste there. (laughs) Like, she, she, everything was, uh, like, she wouldn't even eat with us. Why? Oh, she would just eat your scraps? She would eat the scraps because she knew that there would be leftovers. So she would kind of say, oh, no, no, my dogs are, yeah, I don't want to eat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But then when she'd clean the table off, she would eat all of her leftover stuff off the plates. Like it was just the way they were, yeah. you know, like after the war, it was just so hard that she just. Well, and I guess it's like sort know. of ingrained in her too, probably that like the kids eat first kind of because like you oh yeah like yeah. you know like you would yeah, want your kids to sure. to be okay so you eat like you let them eat and then whatever they don't eat you kind of like nibble on and have it sure. wow yeah that's weird she was a, a, the nicest woman you could ever imagine i can remember one time i know we're getting on goofy stories but i can remember one time where where uh, uh we were kicking i can't remember if it was a soccer ball or a football i think it was a football kicking a uh, a football over the house hmm. and uh, my Vonaima came out and she kicked it over the house too so my father came out <laughs> and tried to kick it over the house and kicked it through the, through the uh, living room window <laughs> oh no the, window. the dad's the one that ruins it <laughs> yeah. oh my she god was, she was a short little but boy could she ever she was just so able and so just uh, well she's kind of like that able. classic like like strong esto lady you know what yeah. i mean like that's how i picture her anyway yeah. i mean from the pictures i've seen but yeah and at any party like if there was a party of some sort like a uh, uh with good food and, and and flowers like if it was a layer or uh whatever mm-hmm. and there were flowers and stuff she would be by the time we got up in the morning she would be already painting she'd have made a still life of the f- fruits and meat and whatever and put them on the on the table and so some of these pictures that you see of her pigs, oh, just in were, the morning of a party yeah yeah she would put them together in a still life and then paint and so you'd wake up and she'd be painting a still life of the things what that, a beautiful uh, life oh my well, god yeah. and i mean they're pretty nice they're paintings. really nice paintings yeah. you have like a million other funny childhood stories like the time where you taped your mom to the fridge oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do we do we, we tied her to the fridge to, 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 with her hands i can remember with her hands behind her back onto the handle of the fridge because she was trying to desperately get ready for this she had a friend they were Perrette. kind of fancy smancy people yeah and so Perrette especially was this this very uh, prim and proper french lady yeah and so she i guess she was coming to visit and it must have been last minute or something like that so my mother all of a sudden just got panicky and had to clean out the house and got us to try and help her clean up real quick before Perrette arrives and the four boys didn't want to <laughs> well we just <laughs> played it like just played a joke on it or not i mean it's because it doesn't sound like much of a joke <laughs> tighter to the tighter to the fridge and so said no she couldn't even so she couldn't even, <laughs> couldn't even uh, uh, oh, was she like up. yelling like she must oh, have been sure she was <laughs> <laughs> like i mean she knew it was done in good yeah beer or like just yeah well you guys obviously a, weren't a, hurting her or anything it was no. just funny but, but she was tied to the Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's why my mother is the way she is. <laughs> <laughs> you just terrorized her. We, uh, in the backyard, we'd, uh, it, it used to be, a, it was a dog run originally. And, uh, and then when uh, my father moved to Kitchener, and 
took over his father's practice, veterinary practice. Oh, his dad was a vet too? Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah, think I knew that. Was a, was a vet too. Oh, cool. And had his practice well, forever in kitchen. A large animal, because when you get to, uh, a little bit older as a vet, well, it's large just animals hard. To hard. Large yeah, animals. well, you got to like wrangle them and like, I don't know, what if they kick you or something, then you're what, you're frail and you're on the ground. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. My, uh, my opa was about of probably similar size to him he was, he was a fairly small guy yeah so i think he probably had a hard time uh, <laughs> uh, staying in the large animal practice anyway when my father was uh, uh uh doing his large animal side of it he would still we'd board dogs and stuff like that and then he still had a, a did some small animal stuff too out of the house yeah but then when he moved to kitchener that all sort of stopped so we converted the 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 dog runs into a sauna yeah. me and my brothers and my father too i'm sure but anyway so we had a sauna in the backyard and eventually too we got a pool but it was an above ground pool that we like a blow up kind of thing no it had hard sides it was kind of a round like a weird oh look a tank like a tank. i've seen those they're really cool yeah they yeah, are they're kind of stylish cool. now oh are they uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean like I there's a company what... called like like stock tank pools or something and they're really cool you can paint them and they're really pretty yeah no yeah. it was so it was that's what it cool. was an above ground round very pool, like basically. retro looking yep yep yeah. so we had uh that in our backyard anyway so after football practice or volleyball practice uh on especially on a friday say but it might have been the middle of the week too okay <laughs> we'd uh have uh, people over we'd have people over and you'd have a sauna and, and uh Maybe drink a bit of beer in the sauna and that sort of stuff. Well, which I'm not sure. Which, there's <laughs> so a couple I'm thinking of, of the lights one, the lights, the lights turned one? off one. Oh, okay, that's uh, what I'm thinking. But you can tell all of them. Go ahead, free reign. Well, the one that I <laughs> thought that 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 the one I thought you were maybe talking about is one where after a, a, it was just me and four or five guys in the sauna after football or volleyball, and uh, and uh, there was a girl in our class, Ann Lehman, was her name, who lived uh, uh, just down the road from us, and uh, just came up and, yeah, dare you to go run down and touch uh, uh, Ann Lehman's house. Ann Lehman's house. I think it was ring the doorbell, or was it just touch? Anyways, either way. Poor <laughs> Ann Lehman. So we did it. Oh, we went and did it, but there was, you know, no big deal, because she was pretty close, and I was like, wait, naked? Well, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, you just, Not just I mean, you're it. hot and that, so just, you just, we just ran down, oh down my the God. road and You're what, like 16 or something? Probably. In that yeah. Way. And then, so I remember then we said, well, let's go touch, I guess it was Lois Coleman, or let's go down to, which was a little bit further. So we're running, it was four of us, and uh, we're running down the road naked, and, and the headlight is coming uh, <laughs> at us, and it's a police car. <laughs> <laughs> So we dive in the ditch, uh, and I just ran across the field. <laughs> like, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. You're like, bye. <laughs> but uh, Randy and whoever else was, he uh, ended up just thinking the best thing to do is lay still and don't move at all. But they happened to be, according to their story, when we got back to the zone, was they ended up kind of landing on each other, kind of next to each other, <laughs> and then the car stops, and the policeman does get out and oh, shone his flashlight around, but it missed it misjudged a little bit of where they had do when, dove in. So he said, like it wasn't very far away. And but it the, would have looked very strange. It would have looked very <laughs> strange. 
exactly. They said like two naked guys <laughs> in the ditch just, laying on yeah, top of like, each other for, virtually. Like if that's what you're gonna do, choose somewhere not the ditch. <laughs> you look yeah. really homeless and weird right now. <laughs> so we got back to after it was a big laugh and then they just think oh my god he meant like, he <laughs> the stories the cop would have told around town <laughs> one that i think you're thinking of is the uh we had a party and it was a my my parents would go up to magnetowan mm -hmm. for the cottage and uh we had parties yeah. at home and uh this was a party where we were in the sound uh just guys in the sound and uh main power switch to our house was outside believe it or not back then i guess outside so anyone can just play with it <laughs> yeah that's weird reality but it's a small town god we never even locked our doors i can tell you i can remember waking up on a saturday morning once a guy named mike uh mike uh howling hmm. uh, mike howling was nudging me on my shoulder in my bedroom <laughs> the, he's the son of the local mechanic because my father had left the, the car at the mechanics mm -hmm. and he's he just came right in and woke in you and woke up and he says hey i brought your car the, your car back <laughs> that's how that's a small town oh like my he, god he came into my bedroom and nudged me awake to say here's the keys to your car that the that uh, brought your car back oh. anyways uh so we're talking about the oh this party yeah and we the were power switch and so uh I kind of think it was Brent again. Freaking Brent. Brent. Um, they found the power switch and they they thought uh, they uh, flipped, it, flipped it off and the whole power went off. So they come back into the sound and say, I guess it's a power outage. Let's uh, I bet you let's go into, we had a, a rec room in our basement. Um, and they said, let's go into the basement naked. Nobody will know we're actually naked. <laughs> <laughs> and the girls won't know it. This will be just a hoot, you know, like the because we're the girls oh at this point. So obsessed with nakedness. <laughs> it was just, and that'll be hilarious. That's gonna be funny. So we, uh, so we did. I remember even, you know, no, since I knew where all the furniture was and that, like in the rec room, there were no windows. No windows, so it's just pitch so black. Pitch black. And we said, oh, must be power outage, yada yada yada. And uh, so I already sat down in it chair and I'm talking to people and next thing you know the lights turn on <laughs> well those bastards <laughs> that was just a ploy just to, you. do a practical joke on me I'm the only one sitting there <laughs> I'm the only one naked I actually can't had, imagine <laughs> it, was, it was perfect they, it was it was really good anyway so I kind of remember saying hmm excuse me <laughs> And I quick caught up and I went to run out. Well, a guy named uh, Tim Facey, my, my friend was Dave Facey, and his older brother was coming to pick up his uh, brother. And he's like, brother. What the hell kind of party is this? <laughs> exactly. He did say, Exactly. What the hell? And I just ran right past You're him. You're like, I don't know. Don't ask. <laughs> Oh my but God. that party did actually get pretty a little bit wild after that because Randy Kerber, I remember he ended up actually just saying, what the hell? Now that we're naked, I can remember picturing him. He was playing the piano. Naked. With a girl on sitting on either side of him. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it, what are these different times? Uh, 
it was all but all in good in fun. fun because yeah, if it, it if you're not being weird about it yeah. then it's not weird and it's that's funny what it was. It was and that, so yeah it it, if everyone's hilarious. on the same page with it then it's funny yeah. so i guess that was the main thing well, it's like it's all in good fun yeah and it was actually one of these things where it was totally in and then we even kind of got it was like you know the hess party but just <laughs> my friends who was because we had a lot of Mennonites in our area yeah there still are one of the Mennonite friends of mine I remember even he just said oh, I gotta take my clothes off <laughs> felt left out I remember it was in front of our living room window that he just yeah, on our front lawn just took his clothes Freedom. off Freedom. So, uh, so there was a group there was a couple cars leaving at the time and then he ended up jumping on the back of the car. Oh, don't go yet. And we <laughs> naked guys jumping on the back. And then and the guy parents? who was, I can't remember what his name is, but he was a year or two older than us. But anyways, he drove the car off and he had these girls in the back seat and uh, of his car. And and then he, we were, uh, I think it was Randy, me and Brent, if I remember right, we were holding on to this car <laughs> on the outside of the car and he sped off thinking, thinking this is just hilarious. Well, Brent decides, eh, this is too much for him. I can remember seeing him. He jumped off the car and I can remember seeing him roll, <laughs> roll on the street because the car was going pretty fast and he just gets up and then there's naked Brent <laughs> running back to the house. <laughs> And oh he was actually was a really guy, Brent was so he just he I feel like printed back home. But me and Randy held was, on, held on because like this was uh, after seeing Brent roll, even like you were like, I don't want to let go. So we held on for our life. Well, so he can't remember his name, I can even picture him, but anyways, <laughs> ends up pulling into downtown New Dundee, which isn't much of a downtown, it's, it's like a couple shops, yeah, hotel. And parks there, and they lock the doors, and then they all laugh. Ha ha! Now the joke's on you, you know. And, <laughs> and then me and Brent kind of just, I mean, Randy just kind of, come on, let us see. It's one of these things where, okay, okay now it's still, over. Is, We're yeah. done. Well, so from fast forwarding a little bit, so you went to school for engineering. Where and how did you choose it? And how, like, oh. how did you know you that's what you wanted to do, or did you have other things um, you might want, I, thought actually, you wanted to do? Uh, when I first, uh, uh, when I, in high school, I actually thought I wanted to be in medicine. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of my interest and whatnot. And after I did, so I did biophysics in, uh, in for two years at Toronto. Um, at U of T? At U of T. Oh. Yeah. So my first two years of university were biophysics. That sounds and really hard. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't actually, it's, hmm. it, you know, it's physics and biology, biology. <laughs> <laughs> you know which yeah i guess i yeah uh, i don't know wasn't yeah. you know actually you, those two sciences i like so much more than chemistry so yeah actually yeah. true yeah yeah so that's that that's my first two years was doing that and and it was okay but uh my brother alan was to it was in medicine at the time yeah and i actually just seeing how how uh thoroughly dedicated he had to be and also just I didn't have the passion to yeah. really want to do it and I had been building cars and things 
and I was just so much more mechanical and, and that, and I, that was my, I just became more and more interested in the mechanical stuff and building cars and building engines and stuff like that. True, well, because you, you had your, like, dune buggy that you built from nothing, I did, I right? Did. My brother, Eric. Oh, I he mean, had I'm, the dune buggy. I helped him a little okay, bit, true. But, I, but it was he that built it. But you were just kind of fixing up cars and whatever that you yeah, had? my or... father gave me a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, okay. And, you souped uh, it up, right? And I souped it up, and, uh, and I was I just really like doing that sort of stuff and yeah. I just and I just uh, I uh, the, anyways I realized I think really that's what I should you're like do. who cares about humans I can't imagine you yeah. being a doctor <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know any goofy doctors you're goofy I can't picture it <laughs> you know any goofy engineers yes oh. you <laughs> and your brother actually yeah he's a yeah. Anyway, so that's but so then you switched, years, right? I, I, I applied for Waterloo and got into Waterloo and ended up doing uh, finishing the degree at Ryerson. Right. Um, and so you did mechanical engineering, yeah. right? Yeah. Does it work that do you have to choose right away what and kind no, of engineering? First year, first year is uh, all of them. Like right. Is just general. Yeah. And then in second year, you, have you already to have to specialize or whatever. Yeah. Right. True. And so mechanical engineering compared to the other ones, what's the difference? Like, I kind of know, but maybe just to explain. To it depends what school you go to. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. But there's like civil so engineering is like bridges and roads and that sort of stuff. Or am I wrong? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then mechanical engineering's like engines and yeah, machinery. machinery and okay. Yeah. And just... Uh, electrical is obviously anything electrical including motors and things like that which includes kind some mechanical stuff so which... like you might have, did you learn any electrical engineering and mechanical oh, yeah, engineering sure. true because you'd have to sure. cross over a little bit because you have to work with those people yeah, all the they, time i'm sure every one of them crosses over to something yeah yeah things. true well so then from there was your first job i you know, worked for tow to start with that was my last year of school i worked for the last year and a bit maybe a summer and then a, a year because they wanted me to stay on and do whatever work I could, even during my school year. What were you doing there? Uh, TRW is an automotive uh, company, mm. but they had a division that they started up called the uh, Appliance Product Group. Okay. And so I designed stuff around appliance controls, uh, mostly refrigerators. Actually, is what we were doing. That was it, it. Was actually a really good first job. Because I, I, w I was, uh, the group I was with and those people, I still know that it was John Polkinghorne. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, you actually made, like, real connections at this first totally, job. Totally. Yeah, I'm still connected with that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, it, it was good experience from an electronics point of view, too, like, because that's, uh, you know, controls. So I ended up uh, kind of combining that experience with my other jobs in a, in a big way throughout my career. Hmm. Um, so it was great experience. Uh, and they were just good people. I was able to kind of uh, do things that were inventive there. Like, for instance, the one idea that uh, <clears throat> I came up with there was a uh, refrigerators do a thing called defrosting. And yeah. They used to do it once every 24 hours. Well, because no otherwise it would get all like those clumps, right? Right. Like those big chest freezers often have the clumps. You yeah. Know? So the evaporator is cold mm -hmm. and uh, uh and uh freezes up you know the, uh, 
the moisture in the air freezes to the and yeah. ends up frost on, on it. Yeah. So uh, to keep that, and then if the evaporator loses efficiency because the frost is a is a, an insulator, and then it stops being a freezer yeah. because it just can't get the uh, can't suck in enough heat into the evaporator coil. Right. Um, because uh, it's being insulated with ice. So anyways, uh, the, the idea there was just, and I was able to do stuff like this, which was great for a young guy to be able to kind of... Uh, well, you weren't just like a, someone's assistant D kind of person. You actually had ideas that they use and stuff, yeah. which is cool for a first job. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, this this thing was, a, to, you know, just inefficient to throw heat into a refrigerator mm-hmm. to, to melt stuff. Sounds kind of productive. No yeah. Yeah. Um, so I uh, came up with an idea that, well, if it's losing efficiency, well, if there's frost on it, the heat transfer is, um, not, not happening quite as well. Not, it's not, it's, it's losing its ability to transfer heat. Yeah. Well, if, and and what that basically translates into is the, the temperature, uh, difference across a fin is going to be um, different when there's frost on it. Well, let's just put a sensor on one end of the fin to see if and there's the other frost end of on the fin. And if it's a big temperature difference, it must be insulated. If it's a small temperature difference, it's, it's not. not. And so not now you know when it. to defrost and when not to. Exactly. So you might defrost once every couple of days rather than once a day pointlessly. Exactly. Only when there's enough frost. So you did say, it by sensor, not by timer anymore. So that kind right. of an idea, right. yeah, that makes sense. So, and it was patentable, and so we. So you, it was your name already on a patent that early? That one actually, it was patentable. It, uh, it, that division closed down, just at around that time. Oh. And that's. Uh, so you didn't get a patent quite yet at that time. Right. Oh. It was kind of, and and that just, I think that was just a good experience altogether because it really kind of let you. Um, sort of gave you wings a little experiment bit. with it and all that sort of stuff and be able to kind of prove out and it was a bit of a success so it just kind of gives you some confidence and some ability to kind of do that sort of stuff well it sounds like you kind of <laughs> learned about like the creative like design process like actually finding like you found where the inefficiencies were and you were like here's how you kind of already you already figured out how to solve those and find those which yeah. is like I mean, a huge a, thing <laughs> yeah and that is really a lot of uh what i mean inventions are patents are, aren't are, often something brand new they're usually just to fix an inefficiency or a problem or something right so yeah. i mean a, a patents are either utility or design yeah so utility patents are something useful That's yeah basically what they call it, utility patent well useful what does useful mean useful means you're basically solving a problem yeah or doing something better or you know it's useful. yeah so aren't design these, patents like what they look like kind of like the form they're in exactly. like if it has like I don't know, like the shape of this perhaps could be design patented. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Moving forward. (laughs) So from TRW, you changed jobs because you and MR were moving or why? Um, Or because you didn't like that job anymore? Black and Decker uh, seemed to be a good opportunity. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a recognizable name and what's a big company to be part of. So I I went to Black and Decker right after that. And, and also the Pines product group was closing down. Oh, right. So uh, I think that was part of the driver too. So then at Black & Decker, you did like lawn mowers and what else was there? Uh, 
assume it's mostly not on Mars. And there you have some patents with your name on them. Yeah, you? actually I did. I got, I think, uh, six patents. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, again, a really good experience. Um, just uh, a good group of people. Um, just, um, you know, a, a good company. You So with that one, you were on, like, a design team of, like, whatever a bunch our research and development team or something of like a bunch of people or like how does that work well it was just by virtue of working you start to see things that are you know again it's seeing issues with their products and trying to fix them or you got a problem that you're trying to uh trying to solve so there i made a a plastic uh, lawnmower basically a plastic lawnmower deck which was one of the first plastic lawnmowers that, like to uh, make it lighter is that all it was it was uh and you know, cheaper i guess too cheaper you can mold it so it is exactly it's cheaper it's it doesn't rust it's uh uh doesn't dent as easily it's a it was a just a good experience i mean that's the thing is is if uh you've got good managers that kind of let people uh go if they're willing to go you know, yeah and, and explore well like facilitate them to do their own stuff but yeah. yeah i had a guy there there were two bosses i had there a guy named ron Hare, um who was was a really good bright guy but the guy directly below him a guy named colin dyke was just a uh, especially right colin he was just uh, uh he wrecked he, he wasn't an engineer himself but you could tell he was just a bright guy and he would recognize good ideas. That's something that's really important altogether for for uh, success, I think, in engineering and other creative practices is just knowing that your own ideas aren't often the best ideas and that recognizing that uh, and be willing to, to give up your own ideas or m- modify your own ideas to what someone else uh, uh, is suggesting or, or, or working on, um, cause there's a lot of, I think it's a natural thing for you to believe that, geez, I, I just want to be right. And my, my well, it's an ego thing. It's yeah. an ego thing. And it, and it's really prevalent in a lot of engineers. I can tell you. Well, so they want to be the smartest in the room or get the credit. I think get getting credit, credit yeah, is a exactly. big one, that's a but big that's one. with artists too. And I feel like you want to struggle. You want to be that person who struggles alone and was right by themselves. By themselves. Exactly. Yeah. But really, the best artists i would think or cool. at least best engineers are yeah. ones that that uh can get credit see a for, good idea and get credit for part of it for for recognizing it and, yeah. and, and managing it to success well it's like great producers like music producers are the great ones are like wow i saw that random busker on the street like justin bieber or whatever yeah. and was like oh i can recognize he's gonna be a star yeah. and maybe that producer isn't the star but he recognized the star and cultivated the star which is yeah. the product in your case or whatever or whatever yeah and that yeah. is, uh, I can tell you, there's it's a it's something really for most people to overcome and rec- and and those are the best engineers that have worked for me, are ones that uh, are really willing to uh, um, like compromise slash collaborate. Just, just just think about what is the best thing overall and take yourself totally out of it. Mm-hmm. Take your own feelings, your own uh, tendencies out of it and just realize wait a minute this really is this is a good idea and let's run with that yeah um <clears throat> especially in management like you because it's you think that in management that oh i got to be the guy with the ideas i got to be the idea guy 
Yeah, often it's more just managing other people's good Well, because that's why you have that. people underneath you. You don't have to, it's because you're the manager doesn't mean you need to know everything. You need to be the one who can like bring together the people who do know things or can figure things out. Like you don't have to be God, <laughs> yeah. you know? No, like, it's not all coming from you. you don't no. Have to, and that is something that really, you, you know, I even find, well, I mean, even though I feel really strongly about it, even at my age, I'm a little bit old, <laughs> uh, I find myself even still doing that. And I, you know, I have to tell myself, hang on a sec, you know, you're doing, you're doing that. Yeah. That. And uh, it's, it's just a natural tendency. And you kind yeah. of got to actually even fight it. Although yeah. I, although I think I'm pretty good at it now. Yeah. Well, because you've practice. been managing for so many years now, because yeah. like right after Black & Decker, you went straight to Dimplex, right? No. No. Right after Black & Decker, I went to a place called Glengarry, a company that made elements, heating elements, electric heating elements. Yeah. And uh, they were looking for an engineering manager. I didn't want to leave Black & Decker, to be honest. I, uh, Black & Decker was really good. Uh, I liked it a lot. You would have happily the, climbed the ranks the, there. The president there, even like I remember the last week I was there, he took me out for lunch and he just said like, Don't go. Don't go. Like you, you he had a tear in his eye. Well, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he had a gun in his hand. Oh my God. Don't. <laughs> it was like, they, I like them, they like me. Yeah, I was, maybe I was a little bit too dedicated almost to Black & Decker. You know, the, our fifth wedding anniversary story. Have I told you that story? No. Tell it. What happened? Ooh. Oh, no. Well, I shouldn't tell this story. Tell it. Tell it. Tell it. Anyways. <laughs> fifth wedding anniversary. Um, and you have a, what, like a two-year-old daughter, three-year-old daughter? Something like that. Anyways. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm at work. And I get a phone call from the receptionist at the front desk uh, saying, oh, there's a surprise for you up here. So I go up to the, to the uh, reception area and um, there's Emma and Levy in a long dress and she's got a, a bouquet of roses. So your room. wife brought you roses for the fifth anniversary? Or she bought them for herself. <laughs> well, I'd like to think that now, but but I was totally, I had totally forgotten her fifth wedding anniversary. Oh. And uh, so I thought, I was so into work, I guess, uh, too much into work that the, the lawnmower that I had designed, the plastic lawnmower deck was just going down the line. Like I was so just, it was just, happening you know the whole and so it was going had been going down the line that day for the first time mm -hmm. and that's why I was just not thinking and just totally thinking work I guess and I walked up to her and I said oh I didn't even know I, that's so nice I didn't oh you realize. thought it was about the freaking lawnmower oh my god <laughs> yeah. oh and then her lower lip kind of quivered a little bit and I thought not it <laughs> oh my god your brain is so empty well you pain over and over again well for years after. i'm sorry to say but that's fair <laughs> I was sad when I didn't get anything for like our third Valentine's Day, let alone fifth wedding anniversary. God. <laughs> Thank you for these flowers.
didn't realize you that you knew the lawnmower was going down the line today. I think I said something like that. And she was like, are you kidding? <laughs> well, she didn't say nothing. I could tell. <laughs> that wasn't it. <laughs> You're like, I said something wrong. Yeah. So then from that, you moved to Black and... Sorry, you so went, to, went Glenn to Glenn Gary, Gary because... Um, well, anyway. Oh, so the manager position. Wait, is that when you guys moved here? Brockville here, right? Yeah, it was here. We moved here. We went to, we lived in, uh, uh, in my parents' house for like six months or something mm. for a house, then bought this house. So the first engineering manager's job that I actually got was at Glengarry. That was hell, that place. It was, it was probably a good thing to go to a place that was hell. Because you, you learn realize, how to work through frustrating situations yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And you, and you just realize that, yeah, understand a good place and a bad place. Yeah. So I, uh, uh, Glengarry was hell. The owner was, it was a family owned business, not a very big business. Uh, I'm guessing it might've been about a $10 million business, I guess, or something in that range. Hmm, sounds big enough to me, but I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. It's not, so not a, not a really big business, but yeah, not a small, small business. Um, <laughs> like the first day I went to, I got there was I, uh, he calls me and goes straight to his office and we have our interview kind of a, uh, to, to introduce me to the place and he told me about all the people that work for me and by the way the one and only engineer Olaf is an alcoholic and he didn't show up to work for the last two weeks before Christmas and like and you can't Christmas fire someone who has a mental illness right well uh, I wasn't he asked me he did ask me he said and you're gonna have to fire him today <gasps> day one that was day one so I so, say, ooh, and I thought... I don't think that's I, your place. How's this well, new person supposed to come in and fire well, someone? Well, so I convinced Len. I said, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty logical and I don't really think, I don't think about other aspects. Like, it was to me, it was, the logical thing is, fine. I mean, he's, he sounds like he's trouble and there's, there's, you know, maybe he does need to be let go. Yeah. But for the good of the company... I need to glean whatever I can off off of him because well, he's the for only one that knows. A few weeks, you know, I need to, you know, like. Uh, well, you need to get out, like, out of his brain a little bit because otherwise, all of the information that he has is gone. And I don't know exactly. I mean, maybe he's. I I needed to first assess the whole thing. I couldn't yeah. get to say. So I said, I'm sorry, but I don't think that's right. I need to. Yeah. Uh, like I I need to get whatever I can and, mm -hmm. and see myself. Maybe I can do something about it. Yada yada. And then uh, Lynn looks at his watch. I can still remember this clearly. Oh, was, God. It looks, oh, uh, you're meeting your group right now in the boardroom right next door here. So so let's go. So I, he sits me down at the head of the table kind of thing. And then Lynn stands up. Oh, God. And starts to just yell at my whole group. Oh! Saying, you guys are a bunch of whatever didn't say louts but basically that's what losers you're saying. A bunch of, you know and 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 this guy here is gonna clean this place up and you're like no i'm not i don't want to i can't you're like, <laughs> I like can i quit today did your actual did you like crap your pants i would have i'd be like what uh, am i, I doing here remember how i reacted but my eyes would have gone this what big. am i gonna do how's the right way to handle this Keep that room together and i on the way out of the boardroom i say uh, Olaf, we need to talk. So I, you know, follow me to my office. I'd, uh, uh, this is day freaking one. Day oh one. My first morning. God. First morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I closed the door behind Olaf in my uh, in my office, <clears throat> and uh, I 
uh, and I, Olaf sits there. I get behind my desk for the first time, basically. I've been <laughs> just in the office for maybe You have like one piece minutes. of paper on the table. <laughs> desk. And I say, Olaf, you're an alcoholic. That's my first meeting. That was what you said. Yeah. Why? Well, because I'm going <laughs> to confront it right on. Like, that's what I figured. I have to try and. So I said, Olaf, uh, it sounds like you're an alcoholic. You have a drinking problem. And uh, oh, no, I don't. I said, Olaf, I hear differently. And I think, you know, this is my first management <laughs> position. <laughs> Can you imagine my first morning? And I said, Olaf, you know, it's, we got to, we got to address this. So you got to go to AA. And within about an hour or so of discussing it, him denying it, and I just, we got on the phone together and we phoned AA. Did he go? He did. Did it work? It was pretty good, actually. It wasn't, he still had a problem and he wasn't over it. About a month later, he, he actually quit on me. Well, uh, fair enough. I mean, if if he wasn't ready to do it himself, it's not going to happen, you know? Yeah, but I did see him oh, years later. Not that many years later. I went to get a coffee. I was in this meeting at next thing you Olaf know, walks Olaf in. Olaf walks in. I'm at the coffee machine at this, uh, getting a coffee and Olaf walks in. He says, uh, you know who I am? I, I didn't recognize him right away at first. And I said, uh, he says, I'm Olaf. Uh, and then it came back to me and he said, just so you know, I'm clean now. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, it was uh, actually it gives me a little bit of willies. Yeah, it was that's actually so... such a mo- nice moment. Well, I mean, actually... because you weren't yelling at him, like you clearly wanted, like you weren't like, I'm going to fire you. You were like, I want you to get help because clearly you have an issue. Yeah. Like, and maybe no one else at that company, maybe no one else in his life even said that. Uh, I maybe. Know, but he he just said, just so you know, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm better. Uh, and, and he thanked me. Wow. And he just said, you, you know, thank you. Oh my God. And it was, it's actually like, yeah. it was just kind of one of these things. I remember You're like, getting back oh, into wow. the meeting thinking, boy, you know, that was, uh, actually, he's giving me the willies because yeah. it was such a nice moment. It was just nice. And he did look healthy and, and good. Yeah. And he just seemed like a straight guy after it. Cause he, <laughs> he, he being in a, he did like, he, he looked rough even at work when he, when yeah. he at, at, at Glengarry. Aww. But the other thing, that place was hell. Uh, <laughs> I'm just getting back now to, to Glengarry was uh it was just hell so even one day i walked into the into it was winter because i started in january right after christmas and i walked in with wet shoes not even muddy shoes didn't just just from the parking lot wet shoes as office, you do because there's the snow office, yeah into my office and uh i don't know minutes later lynn the boss comes into my office slams the door behind me and just reams me out for, for the wet shoes. For wet shoes. What a psycho! Yeah, it was, that's that was that guy. Oh my god! When I quit, because I stayed there for I had the record. I was the, I think the fifth engineering manager in two years or something like that. Well, like no wonder. Only lasted months. I lasted. I can't remember if it was six or eight months, but in that range. And I had the record. You had the record six to eight months. Holy moly. Anyways, when I quit, um, when I quit, I uh, uh, went into his office and he was, oh, Chris, no, you know, that's so bad. You know, you're going to quit. You know, I just. uh, Did you hand him a list of all the terrible times he yelled at you? I I, I didn't. But I, he, he, uh, he tried to convince me to stay and I, Obviously, he wasn't going to stay. And then uh, and then when he realized that, that I wasn't going to stay, 
he totally reamed me out and said, you will never, I will make sure you never get a job in Guelph ever again. That was basically how we left it was. uh... Oh my gosh. That's like, so that's like basically on the line of illegal. Like you can't make someone that you can't, you can't threaten someone for quitting. But it, it, it was. That's fucked up. Well, it is. It is. It's fucked. So they happen to be an element supplier. You don't know about this. No, I don't know any of this stuff. Because like (laughs) we don't like we haven't talked in detail about your career. I mean, a little, but like mm. they just happen to be also because they're an element supplier. Is there a dirty secret? No. Oh, I was excited. No. (laughs) No, but when I when I went to work for Dimplex, yeah, Dimplex buys elements. Oh. From we Glen- bought from Glengarry. Ew. So now I'm the customer. Oh, so now he has to be nice to you. Yeah. Did you ever talk to him again? Yeah, I did. Oh, you got to be like, we're like, you that's have to what, be nice to me. But he, he, that's Len could be a sweetie pie when he Ew. But that's even weirder. I don't like that though. Like, that's even the worst, in my opinion, when someone can turn it on and off like that. I think I would rather them be obviously a dick than be. Sweet and dick, though. And but it yeah, was, it was weird. But I, I really, oh well. I but really not, then you got in the power he, position. They went, of, <laughs> they went out of business fairly soon after. Well, but probably because freaking Len scared everyone away. He had such a nice secretary. I gotta tell you, she was just a. I think she kept it together. Wow. I can't remember her name, so she, she was like, like you know how like when women used to write books and stuff they would be like the like they'd use a like a pseudonym or whatever like a men's name basically that secretary was like the ghost writer of the company <laughs> I think she was the one who actually yeah that's why they survived as well as they did because she um she, yeah and then dimplex you were there what did you what was your first title at dimplex at dimplex yeah it was um mm-hmm. i think it was just engineering manager but then, so over time, they just kept promoting you? Yeah. Oh, okay. True. And to be honest, I remember saying to even to Martin, I said, I care about my... It was like as though title was a, a big deal. The title. Know, if it changes my responsibilities or whatever, fine. But the title, who cares? Yeah. But I guess... Well, I mean, in pay, time. like in pay and like, like as, as a sign of... Like not just resume, but kind of like as an outward facing thing, like for your business card to say senior vice president of engineering, within, like that. Even within the company, if with other, you know, if you're trying to deal with other managers. And having you, a title and helps you. VP yeah. or senior VP, which I ended up being senior VP. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of gives you at least equal weight or it doesn't you know if you need to use that that card you can use it yeah which you hope you won't have to but some people some people only respond to that though sometimes you do yeah Yeah. like at dimplex uh martin champ the president there he was he was just it it was logical what's good for the company what's good for people in the company overall what's good for the community you know those things are are important if you if that's your your guiding light um good things happen yeah but when it becomes what's good for me yeah what's good uh, for me what's good for the bottom line in like a very i don't know yeah yeah without considering other bigger picture stuff yeah um but especially only what's good for me it just becomes a dog eat dog kind of a company yeah you just uh you you'll you'll throw your own uh 
people in your team under the bus just yeah. because I, it's good for me. Yeah. Or you think it is at least. Yeah. Overall, in the long term, obviously, that isn't good for you. Because yeah. people eventually do recognize it and the place just turns into a jungle. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's what happened at Diplex. yeah uh, and it was due to the president uh, yeah i'll tell you a little bit of a story just because okay it back okay. my own memories it's sure. just how we even got to Dimplex. i don't know if you know this but we were maybe at the, uh but at noma noma got bought by um uh a company that makes uh guns actually i think like oh. the uh, smith and wesson i think it was. oh really yeah whoa uh, okay was, uh they had uh, plants in really in high power snowblowers. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, they had factories in uh, in Tennessee. Uh, they had. Uh, oh yes, I know the Tennessee story. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would go down to Tennessee uh, uh, and uh, um, when they uh, were bought, they they decided that they'd probably want me to, I guess, manage an engineering department down there or whatever. So they made me an offer. Anyways, I uh, um, virtually accepted and went even down and we, Emma Yeah, you were looking at like schools and stuff for us. Well, I wasn't alive yet, but. We chose a house. Like there was a house even that we were thinking about. So if we go down, okay. So we came back from a trip down there and said, Okay, you know, we looked at houses. We remember it was really nice area. I gotta tell you, like yeah. really nice area. Yeah, and they were offering me a lot of money too. It was and taxes were less, and I was like, hmm, this is pretty good. Can, you know, have can I turn this down? My kids with twangy voices. Yeah, <laughs> Imagine that was one of the big concerns. Yeah, was, was exactly the racism that. there too, right? Yeah. I remember somebody saying to us, y- y- "You're gonna have to." Put your kids in private school. So, yeah. Well, why? Well, because blacks go to the public schools. And you're like, the heck? Yeah, exactly. You're like, uh, okay. <laughs> one, one lunch I remember was uh, two. I went to uh, a lunch and there was. Wait, uh, and this is like 90s, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And people 90s. were saying, wow, yeah, that's 90s. messed up. Early 90s, they're still saying separate yeah. the kids in separate schools. Wow. Yeah. Just, that's you know, horrifying. Just that's so think, recent. That's what you want to do. Wow. Um, there are two women engineers that were out for lunch with me and some other guy from Canada. I can't remember. But anyways, I'm just getting Ken Stiddle, I think it was. It's a fun name. It's just fun. Uh, Mr. Stiddle. I could, I, I, could, I could order lunch for Ken. Ken would always, like he was just such <laughs> a Canadian sort of a, and he was just so... Um, Predictable. Always predictable. Thank you. <laughs> Always. Pre- I I knew I I even would do it at lunch. I'd say he's gonna take uh, it was uh, uh, what's what's with it with the sandwich that has bacon and BLT. Uh, uh, no. Or uh, Reuben. No, the uh, uh, club sandwich. Club sandwich. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me name all the sandwiches. Good thing I'm not getting stiddle. I <laughs> oh no, I don't know what I want. <laughs> I can't have anything the else. one sandwich I want, I don't know. <laughs> but it was a club sandwich. No matter what, it would be for dinner, lunch, breakfast. I swear, club sandwich. That's all. Wow. I, when we were out eating, and I did travel enough with them, stiddle is a club sandwich. <laughs> stupid story but <laughs> but anyways we were at lunch with these uh you know two women engineers and and uh, and, 
Uh, we talked about guns. And they said, so you guys carry guns? Oh, yeah, we can. And they pulled out their purses. Each of them had a little pistol in their purse. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> what was a cool what a little one different with a world. handle on it. But, but holy cow, we talked about, like, like really like we like and he had a gun in your in, like for us it was so weird well like that's literally a different world like i i know that we are very similar to the states but in that sense like separated schools and they have guns what and that's in the 90s we're not talking like 50s 90s that's crazy yeah and anyways we decided so tempting but big reasons not to yeah and so that's just talking about dimplex that's how we, I woke up the next morning. Uh, we came back from Meg Monday morning. I woke up to a phone. Uh, oh, that's what, I, and yeah, and Emma said, because so. I wanted yeah. to, I wanted, I still wanted it because it was just so nice. A great in opportunity, other ways. yeah. It was just so nice in, in the area and even the house we were thinking of getting, it was just, it was just all really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God, you're making me want to grow up there. <laughs> I, we would have been way better off. Oh, wow. But um, so Emma said, okay, just promise me you'll look f- for, for something week. here what, for one week. Yeah. Just because I had to also accept the offer properly or not. Soon, I yeah. Woke up on that Monday to a phone call from my headhunter from when I have been looking for a job uh, prior to Mama. When <laughs> I was from Glengarry as a guy, in, a headhunter in Kitchener phone me just saying by any chance would you be looking for a job and you're like, <laughs> like it was hello god weird. it's me <laughs> well, yes. it was kind of, it was, yeah i guess it was just weird it's very weird and i said uh well sure i'd be willing and uh, that was monday i had the interview on wednesday and i accepted the offer thursday holy crap and in that instant you Dimplex. decided the future of all of your children and yourself <laughs> yeah isn't that but weird? Because that somehow. was like literally, you know, have you seen the movie Sliding Doors? Where like she has the two, it's with Gwyneth Paltrow and it's like the two alternate realities. And the point is that she misses the subway train in one oh. and in the other, she doesn't miss the subway train. So it's Sliding oh. Doors. Oh. And it basically is like then the whole movie, they show her two realities, like if she missed it and if she didn't. And they're completely different. And so this is your Sliding Doors moment. If you had, if we had moved to Tennessee, very different. It would have been very different, I'm sure. Yeah, so I that's guess. how I started that Dimplex. Yeah. Uh, I remember having an interview with Mark and we hit it off right away. Yeah. And I started off as engineering manager, worked in Brantford though, for the first uh, almost a year, I think. Uh, it was about a 20, I think my memory is 27, $28 million business yeah. when I first started. Uh, it was all electric heating. Uh, but uh, within the first <laughs> six months or so came up with fireplace idea and then uh, and that took off within two years or so and went from that 27 28 million dollar business to at one point 120 some million dollar business oh wow and was but the heating part of it was still 27 28 million dollar business it was all fireplaces <laughs> wow well i guess electric fireplaces probably weren't really much of a thing before right no, well, that was the thing was that it was just, uh, it, it wasn't at all a category uh, at all. Like it was the, the, where the idea started from was that Ireland did have have a, this kind of a, an electric coal sort of, sort of a thing, just a, like a, a little thing you put in, in the fireplace. And they came up with the idea of making a little stove, like a tiny little 
black stone. We tried selling it. I remember we got, I think, 5,000 of them in. Yeah. And we, uh, it seemed like a kind of a, a neat little like a idea, gimmick. gimmicky kind of idea, but it looked like crap. Mm. It's just like, and I remember Martin just saying, you know, it's kind of a neat idea, but do you think we could do something better? Yeah. And somehow it just fairly quickly came up with something that was like a full mental piece with actual flames. Well, it was the stuff. flames, just the, the, the real, yeah. realism of the flames. It looked so crummy. It was just kind of a, just sort of a flickering light. It's almost basically. like a fake candle, which like, Okay, fun, yeah, but, but kind of lame. <laughs> you got a whole box just to make it, make that. Yeah. Um, so anyways, came up with the way that we did the flames fairly quickly. First, I remember the first couple shows we showed it at, and it was, uh, we just had, <laughs> just had, I remember the, actually one show was even the, uh, the um, St. Jacob's Home Hardware, went to their show, and didn't even have a, sh- a booth or anything, took the firebox and just put it on a chair, and it caught lots of attention just hmm. in the, you know without even without a mantle or anything properly. just in yeah. a box and it just hmm. got a lot of attention and they were one of the first people that bought it too yeah, but it was just it just seemed to kind of it was one of these things where it's oh, i think we got something here. yeah that's cool and then martin was bright and and really uh was like go with that too. run with it <laughs> yeah martin was just a he's just a really bright good guy and a, a strong leader and uh um Anyways, yeah. uh, a very amicable sort of a leader too. It was I can remember he'd come into my office and he'd put his feet on my desk and just and we'd just talk and <laughs> come up with ideas. Yeah, which is just you know like it just stimulates you when you have yeah. something like that. Bouncing ideas like that. off each other is so exciting. You literally like, or at least I do. Like I get like giddy. Like when you get new ideas and you both are just yeah. like, oh my gosh, new things. And like, you're both just like, wow, that's good. Write that down, write that down. You know, it's like such a good feeling. I love that feeling. Yeah. That's like my favorite. No, it's uh, and, when you and, like forget to eat because you're so excited. You know what I mean? That gotta, feeling. You realize that for people that are subordinates to you, that, yeah. that, 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 that that's is, what keeps them around. It, keeps, it just, yeah. and it, and it does, you know, even if they don't come up with the greatest ideas, don't knock them down on those ideas because yeah. then it shuts them, shuts yeah. them down. Yeah. Well, because their first idea is never going to be the best one, probably. Yeah. So, yeah, if you feel shut down the first idea, well, oh, now they're just, not going to speak up anymore and they won't ever get to that giddy excited because they didn't get to. Yeah. It's like when your engine won't turn over. It, well, don't. It's a funny you know. situation though, because you also don't want, like, I mean, as a recognizer of good ideas in management, you gotta also. That's not what your business be, card says. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and just you know, like trying to manage what's what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, this that all ideas aren't so good. Yeah. Well, you and don't want to. You don't want to be a sugar coater either. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of a you gotta, balance. Yeah. So it's how you how you manage that is really important because. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's a it, lot of people skills mostly. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, you know to, because if you do sugarcoat, uh, it sometimes makes people go off in a direction you don't. Yeah. Be yeah. Yeah. Off in. And also, then you start to get recognized as well. Okay, what is good and bad? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, yeah. We have to give person. constructive answers. And yeah. as long as you can give logical reasons, I, I a lot of times I'll go to if, if uh, somebody throws out an idea, one of my engineers might be you know sold on something they designed, and then you've just got to kind of take them down the logic path. Yeah. Um, saying well why you know or or what's the a lot of times it's 
what's the actual purpose of this? Yeah. You know, what's the root purpose of it? And does it serve that purpose? Or is there some other means to serve that purpose in a better way? Like maybe this other way, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, or, explain to me why would this one's better? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and then because if they well, can explain, well, okay. then it's right, because maybe you don't understand even what the, real, yeah. you know, why it's better. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of takes you both down that logic path. Anyway, well, I guess now that we're to present day, so where do you work now? Just so you can finish the career path arc. Where do you work now? Well, actually, you were you were unemployed for a couple of years. Well, that you were retired. Dim, Dimplex, <laughs> yeah, Dimplex. I mean, it was a wonderful place to work under for when I was under Martin Champ. Just a you know very good place and just uh, thrived there. And I think I helped the company thrive too. Yeah, you were um, there for like twenty-one years or something. But uh, and then Martin got prostate cancer, basically. Oh right. And uh, that's sad. Yeah. And He's alive, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, I should actually talk to him. Sometimes. Anyways, the guy who replaced him was uh, cleaned house. He went to clean house, but I don't think he was allowed to clean house fully. Like for instance, I don't think Ireland would allow him to even fire me well he even told me that that he's he wanted to fire me too it's such a weird thing to say i would like to fire you but i'm not allowed to basically that's what he did okay (laughs) and so he tried to get me to quit for years toughest years of my life yeah i remember yeah so he he'd come into my office and say stuff like uh so you're writing your resume oh that's so messed up that's like Literally, I mean, how do you answer that question? Should I be? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, I had at one point like over 30 people report to me, I think it was that much, but usually at least 20. Uh, but I had quality under me for the longest time, too. And um, um, by the time I was my last year, I had zero people reported. To me. He just I was like, You were just like the weird, was, like. Ex- I, human just sitting there and you're like what am i supposed to be doing here and that's so on not me i can't do and then you were retired and you lived a little bit of a old man life for a few years it was awful (laughs) (laughs) i just not that's not me yeah well it was maybe a nice like reset button a little bit but yeah along with the other personal difficulties yeah, well, I mean, if you're, well, I was going to ask if you were willing to talk about it, because I feel like a lot of the time, for some reason, I feel like divorce is like weirdly ignored. Like, it's like, as if it's oh, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I yeah, think yeah, a lot of like people, illness, yeah, but like divorce thing. is a different way thing where like a lot of people feel like it's like, oh, we got divorced, but like, yeah, it's okay now because I find someone new. Well, it's like, why is that? Why is that? it's like you have to explain yourself which are like i don't understand because or like as if divorce is like some failure or something like i don't think a lot of the time divorce is the healthier option for a lot of people that's why people get divorced and people don't talk about it for some reason because it's like a dirty subject like not dirty but you know what i mean like a tainted subject for some reason so like i don't know if you want to like just kind of explain a little bit about how like you got through it or anything no it was pretty uh tough but i mean work was tough at the time just like i explained yeah and uh that probably didn't help the marriage situation i guess Mm -hmm. but it was a compounded issue for sure tough before even that though yeah it just because uh i don't things were just kind of funny yeah and i think uh 
for whatever reasons. Yeah, there's just so many pieces of it that I think, I think for a long time, even with the mental illness aspect of it and not, it was just, I think you were both unhappy for a long time. beyond that, because I don't, because I think actually was part of the stress brought on. And then with work too, on top of it, and then yada, yada. Um, Where was I going with all that? Was just... um, Well, it's a really weird and hard transition period too, like just in general, like, well, all of us, I was the last one to move out. Dooley just moved out at the exact same time too. So you guys were home alone for the first time, which was sort of like, not first time, but first time in a long time in 30 years or whatever. So I think there was that. And like, I think that's a common thing for a lot of uh, couples, like when their parents, when their kids move out, I think that's like a weird pressure cooker situation where you either survive it or not. Yeah, like I think empty nest syndrome is either like you either adjust and you're like, oh, it's so nice to be alone together. Or like maybe it's a weird adjustment period where like it feels weird for a bit, but then you get settled into being like a couple again. Or I think a lot of couples break up at that point because they're like, oh, maybe we've stayed together, not for the wrong reasons, but for different reasons. And now we're things are different now and we can see, oh, the veil's been lifted because no one's here. But I think, you know, I... Yeah, and I think by the time empty nest things started to happen, it was. Uh, I think I didn't. It, it was probably playing almost a fool's game. Of yeah, trying to keep it together. Um, and but it's still, it's hardest thing ever. Yeah, it well, people say it's people ever. say it's one of the most but stressful life events, right? Well, because it's all it's all encompassing. Like it's family, it's love, it's emotions, it's body stress from it all like it's just everything I could feel those you know the, the five stages of mourning or whatever they call exactly it. i yeah. got i i think i went through that for sure yeah yeah no definitely yep yeah anyway. yeah it's uh, yeah i think that's as hard as anyways well and i guess it's almost there. unfortunate too that at that time you didn't have work because you didn't have anything to like focus on so you were kind of just weirdly at home with the situation which is really sucky yep yeah if someone was listening and wanted to know oh how to get through that sort of thing yeah it doesn't have to be advice per se but but, but, you know you get through it yeah and probably all kinds of different ways to get through it um uh excessive drinking no no (laughs) you didn't drink that much i don't think there was times though when it was like oh man i can tell you i think actually there was a period of time where like okay i did i did smoke a little bit too much yeah i think i did yeah Uh, like i i would uh just kind of uh you were uh, um just lose my stoner get into a bit of smoking a bit you know in the evenings just to try and just sort of dull the yeah dull things um that ain't the way to get obviously to get well it's a band-aid like it doesn't change it doesn't it i don't know and it also messes up your like brain paths like if that's the way that you can feel better then you're that's your automatic like reaction that's not it's not going to help you for very long (laughs) so i turned to i mean i think and i think this is uh, at least the way i got over a lot of it is i started to do some stuff Mm -hmm. so i'd 
fix, do something uh, such as uh, renovation re projects, renovation projects, projects yeah. exactly like in the basement, you know, maybe fixing up that room. I'd uh, started to run, started to ski harder, you know, like ski again and ski a bit harder and train, train for skiing a little bit. Or, well, and you kind of reconnected with your bike, siblings you know, and stuff too a bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Try and do something at the cottage, maybe some, you know, so I made plans, you know, I never did them, but, but uh, you know, I wanted to build that boathouse into a bunkie and maybe build a sound. And I think we spent a lot of stuff, stuff together as a family, like, well, minus one member of the family, but like, like, as with us, like, your daughters like i think you spent a lot more time with us too like you kind of always i saw more of you during those years than like ever i mean not now during the pandemic but yeah. like before but like I wasn't yeah working either, so. yeah so you kind of had the opportunity to like literally spend so much time with your brothers and sister and us and stuff which i think probably helped a lot i don't know mm -hmm. yeah yeah no family is definitely important you guys especially uh to help you through those hard times and also my siblings yeah especially uh i gotta say especially my sister lisa yeah she was just she's great mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i guess what other things from that because i feel like everyone's situation so different too because like it wasn't just you guys broke up like there was a lot more involved so it's kind of like i don't know it's hard to like relate to other people's lives i guess but Meaning Sorry, like gosh. mental health wise, like there was a lot more involved than just like, you guys didn't just oh. decide to break up. Like, it's not like you were like divorce. It was like, there was a lot more involved. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to describe it. Well, and the thing <laughs> is, uh, I still tried to like, uh, even though Emma wanted to separate and, and part ways, I fought it and didn't for the first year. Yeah. And, you know, and so that was maybe harder on me, I think yeah because i uh and maybe in retrospect i should have just kind of walked away sooner yeah but in the moment you don't know what the right thing to do yeah. is either because and also I even, and i guess i i can feel good in a sense too that i don't feel guilty yeah well you tried and Cause like because anyone who well because if you had just been like oh yeah for sure after 32 yeah. years of marriage or whatever well i mean that's kind of sad like you would hope in any long relationship that people would at least give it a fair try yeah so i did you know yeah so, so yeah. in that way but it was hard like yeah well you hard, put yourself through but more, maybe in maybe. the long run it was the better way to get through it too because i i, I don't have any kind of more closure i mean yeah. i hate the word closure because closure doesn't really exist yeah, doesn't, closure does not exist it does not <laughs> i can tell you i still every day you know I, every day i think of your mother yeah well i mean I like, and I was listening to a podcast recently where they were saying closure does not exist. And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's actually so true. Cause like closure we have in our heads of like some perfect speech we can give where this person's going to understand, <laughs> this person's going to understand exactly how I feel. And they're going to say, oh yes. Okay. Now we can part ways perfectly. And we're going to understand any, yeah. everything and everyone's going to be on the same page. Closure. Mwah. No, it doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. There's no perfect speech. There's no perfect situation. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't. Closure. Meh. Nope. It doesn't nope. exist. Don't. Now, there's, uh, there are some philosophers, at least. Uh, maybe I'm going too, too deep into things, but mm. they're where they're... they're uh, well, I won't 
get into it. I'm just thinking a little bit about Plato, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just he would say, eh. you know, there is there is full knowledge, like not full knowledge, but <laughs> it's it's stages of knowledge, and that in the end, like if you actually do see the light, the light. <laughs> literally almost that's that, that that then you would be able to say there might be some foreclosure but that doesn't that, exist though you can't get to the light well, it takes unless a, you're dead it's, <laughs> we mostly as human beings like do not understand things fully mm -hmm. do not but well emotions but and things get in the be, way like, yeah and there's uh just knowledge is lacking well, and we things like things get it. lost in translation so much. I think like people's thought processes and no one can express themselves that fully to the point where the other person can understand their thought process fully. Cause you're, I'm never going to be in your head and you're never going to be in mine. So no matter how much we talk and think we understand each other perfectly, we don't. No, and you may think you do. Yeah, but you, but you don't. don't. No, there's yeah. too, many, too many variables too. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we can move on from that. But so um, you did kind of briefly touch on like fixing things and building and renovation and stuff. I feel like that's a huge hobby of yours. Like you've always done that in our house, like with your, with the cottage, like didn't you guys all build that together? Oh, I thought you were talking about fixing the dog or the cat. Ew, you didn't do that. <laughs> well, we did your that dad did. Too. You did? It was, well, pigs is the one I think. Ew. It's, you know, like the You just cut the off pig. their testicles? Yeah. Literally just cut them off and cauterize them. The way the dude like pigs get get castrated. Yeah. Is um like we I as a kid, I'd go have to go into the pen, I'd catch the little pig, you know, like they were little tiny pig? Yeah, they were pretty small. Oh. The reason you do it is because so they get fat and and make become more wait, uh, but I thought if they had balls, wouldn't they grow bigger? No, they get. You want them to be uh, not so muscular. Oh, you want them fatter, not as yeah, like sinewy yeah. muscle muscles. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, anyways, and you catch the little piglet. You know, like they. I don't know how old they'd be. They wouldn't be tiny. Couple months old pigs, or something. They'd be pigs that are, you know, maybe like a like a dog. dog yeah. And I. Uh, Bring it to my dad and he'd take baler twine and put a loop of baler twine and uh, he'd be holding up the feet he'd put baler twine on each one and there'd be a, a nail in the post of the farm you know the beam of a post holding it in the um, and he'd hang them up there and then he'd squeeze, and the pig's screaming bloody murder bloody murder just like totally oh. and you'd kind of squeeze the testicle out he'd take the 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 uh um, scalpel, oh! and just kind of put a slot and you pop the testicles <gasps> out the hole oh! and because you, you you can't cut it because they bleed too much yeah, so yeah, you actually yeah. have to rip them out believe it or not. oh my god wait yeah. why would ripping be better than cutting because it doesn't bleed as much really but if you can th imagine the the end of the blood vessels and things being jagged like it kind of like that. seals a little yeah, bit Ew. Mm. but yeah yeah. So anyway, fixing things. <laughs> so yeah, like just fixing all sorts of stuff and just like yeah, like that's how I, you know, if I'm as a pastime and just you know like during those times when we were just talking about uh, hard years and that. Now that's how I'd kind of lose myself is uh, something, and I always did that as a younger person too. Like I, 
I just get into stuff, you know, just lose my, lose myself into things such as building a car or building or doing, uh, fixing something. I mean, you never really learned how officially, so did you just kind of figure it out or did your dad teach it's you a lot? Of, oh, well, um, I don't mean my, cars, I mean like yeah, building yeah. stuff. Building like, stuff. Yeah. Well, we did like, for instance, Magneto on the, the, you guys little, built the that. little cottage. Yeah. We built that. We, yeah. You know, we uh, tore down, I remember a, uh, in Wellesley, we tore down a little, milk shed uh, on the side of a barn and part of a barn and we took the wood from that so it was free for us to so unfortunately since this was my first live recording uh, with another person in the same room i had a lot of technical difficulties and uh, the video stopped recording um halfway through our conversation we'd already recorded for a cup way longer than we were supposed to uh so we're gonna cut it off there um maybe i'll have him on again some other time to talk about his uh brewery that he has in our basement not an illegal one he just does it for fun uh brews beers in our basement and he has a lot of other cool hobbies that we didn't really get to talk about um but it's hard to fit a long lifetime into uh our podcast uh so maybe we'll have him on another time but i hope you enjoyed getting to know my dad chris hess and make sure to check out uh hey hi who are you on apple podcasts because now it is live there as well uh, apparently it takes a little while for it to um for Apple Podcasts to accept new podcasts into their library, um, but I am now officially there. So make sure to check me out there and to rate, review, subscribe, because that really helps me uh, appear on people's explore pages and uh, just lets me know if you're liking what you're listening to. So anyway, so have a great day and thank you for listening again. Bye. Make sure to follow on Instagram and TikTok at heyhiwhoareyou.pod to stay up to date on new guests and new episodes.